Blog Talk Radio. This week's Dungeon Crawlers Radio is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash Radio to start your free trial membership. Broadcasting live from the DCR studio. The Emperor has been expecting you. Where Geekishik and Pandemonium reign supreme. Come to the coach and get together, have a few laughs. Your host will discuss everything you need to know about the world of Geek. Oh yeah! So grab your staff, throw on your cape, and roll your 20-sided die. Because it's time for... Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Welcome. Is it that time again? What? It is that time again. Holy cow. My, Man, how well, it flies. It does. My, <laughs> my computer is like dogging to me. It's telling me for free. Oh, no. What, what the, the heck, heck is going <laughs> on? Sending up, a, sending up a telemarketing call. <laughs> it is. <laughs> okay. What the heck? Well, while uh, while Revan here... Telemarketers, the new aliens? Probably, yeah. given how this thing just won't seem to shut up. It's just like, ad, there ad, it is. ad, ad, ad. Wow. <laughs> so while he while Revan's getting solicited, welcome to Dungeon Crawlers Radio. It's a Yay! guy named Joe. It is? It's yeah. a guy named Joe? It totally is. You are here. I am here. That is awesome. Were you here last week? Yeah, it totally was. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. I wasn't here yeah, last week. <laughs> That's why. Oh. So, everyone, welcome to another amazing episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio. I, I renamed our show last week. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. You renamed it. I did. It, I, I think it's it's fitting. <laughs> this show is DCR episode... Where is Roy? <laughs> I mean, like, we carried it just fine. I mean, but, like, the whole time we were kind of like, all right. Where does this where, guy where go? Does go? I know. So, so for, yeah, for those of you that tuned in last week to, uh, yeah, our guest just didn't show. It, it's been forever since that's happened. It was weird. <laughs> it's very strange. He got abducted by aliens. Yeah, it's, something like that. Entirely possible. Yeah. And speaking of aliens, uh, yeah, Flagoon is not here, as you can as you can tell. Flagoon unfortunately has decided to uh, go target practicing uh, with some zombies. Yeah, he found an outbreak. Yeah. Needless to say, you will never, ever, ever know that there is a zombie outbreak because Flagoon has your back. Yep. <laughs> yep, he's got us. So we'll be protected in the future. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, just yeah. Who are you gonna call? Flagoon. Yep. It's like Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's like Ghostbusters, except there's only one of them. Yes. That's all you need. So, um, let's see. So coming up uh, tonight, we have author Rhiannon Held. We'll yes. be back on the show after a long absence. She's talking about her new book, Reflected, which is the third book in her uh, Silver series. So it it will be fun to have her back on. And for those. Uh, 
those of you that don't know, she actually is a real archaeologist. So she has a degree in that. She she goes out on digs, which is pretty awesome, which kind of helps tie into my epic showdown theme. Oh, okay. Is that, yeah. that, okay, that's yeah. what that is. But, uh, yes, we will have an epic showdown tonight. Uh, oh, there she is. She just said hi, so we'll be adding her in just a second. Um, and we will have some geek news. Yeah. Uh, and we have several GamerForge emails. Good. Which is just... Good. Joe likes to answer questions. Crazy. Um, oh, oh, yeah, we should probably mention that. Uh, yeah. Intern Chris isn't here either. I, I don't know where he is. He must be stuck in a... Ah! He, I can't yeah. blame everything on him. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can because he's not here. week is because of Chris the intern. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so Chris the intern was the reason that you had horrible... Uh, Weather. He was messing around with some weather satellite up in space, and that's why you got your ice storm. As I was say, if he was anywhere near Branson, I'm gonna hunt him down. <laughs> <laughs> that is horrible. Well, hopefully he'll call in and uh, he can answer that once and for all. Yes, Chris the intern, where are you? Mm-hmm. But I guess uh, speaking of calling before we add Rhiannon, we should uh, mention that if you uh, have any questions for archaeologist and author. Rhiannon Held, or if you want to call in to our Gamer Forge segment later tonight or cast votes for our uh, epic showdown, you can call us at 626-226-1475. Or, as always, you can email us at info.dungeoncallersradio.com, and we are checking the Facebook page nonstop. But I don't like the Twitter. <laughs> I don't like the Twit. You don't like the Twit? No, see, I really seriously have an issue with being condensed to 140 characters. I just hate it. I like to express everything I have to say in one long rant if I want to. Yeah. Do you I know, just, I had an email. Mm-hmm. I had a, uh, a fan message me, and they were said, they said, are you on Twitter? And I said, no, I'm not on Twitter. And then they said, I thought I was the last person on Twitter, but you totally take the cake now. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I am officially a loser. I mean, we have a, we have a Twitter account for... DCR, but I don't have a Twitter account, a I, personal one. Neither do I. I, I so y- you're in the cl- y- we're we in have company. a club here. Yeah, yeah. So you can you say, hey, I'm not the only one. <laughs> the gingers rebelling against Twitter club. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that works. The gingers. It does work. The I like gingers it. Against Twitter. Yeah, gat. Yeah. So. Gat. Yeah. So <laughs> I bought a I bought a SUV. Uh, over the weekend, mm-hmm. and my kids have officially named it the Ginger Snap, but <laughs> because it's full of gingers and it gets us there in a snap. That is way too cute. That's awesome. Yes, yes. my my manly SUV is now <laughs> called the Ginger Snap. And it looks pretty good. The picture said, "I was like, oh, he's rolling, he's bossing it." Yeah, it's Ginger nice. Snap, it's totally like. Yeah, it's, got, it's it's got two screens in there. Watch the DVDs, navigation system, backup camera. It's four wheel drive. Yeah. So when it snows, I have no problem. So in short, you're very proud of your new vehicular. Except for the name. <laughs> pride. You should yeah. get you should get like a, a vinyl on the back. Yeah, on the back. This is the ginger snap. Yeah, it just says ginger snap and like calligraphy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Somehow I'll figure out how to get that on my license plate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. 
Wow. I'm sure no one. I'm sure no one's got that. I'm on, sure uh, no one has that one. All right. Gangsters will bother you because there's all the gingers in there. All right. Let's let's let's, let's uh, bring Rhiannon onto this go. So it's it's just the three of us. Mm-hmm. It's been a while since it, there's only been three. So uh, I think I'm scared. Oh, yeah, because that means you're going to have to do the epic showdown no. again. <laughs> All right. All right, let's add this. Let's go. Oh, you know, sometimes, which is? Skype is being uncooperative. No, it's just technology is being uncooperative. Always is. Welcome. Hello. <laughs> How are you? Good. Welcome back to the show once again. Thank you. Hopefully the weather in uh, in Denver isn't too bad, or Colorado. You're you're somewhere in Colorado if I remember correctly, right? Seattle, actually. Seattle. I'm completely off. <laughs> the wrong direction, the wrong state, <laughs> totally, and the wrong weather. Yep. <laughs> well, Seattle's we've, nice. We've had a lot of rain, which you will laugh at, but um, it's been harder than usual. We usually were sort of a a state of perpetual drizzle. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. been actually raining lately. Why not? This last weekend, I mean, we're here in Utah. It was downpouring really hard. It was like crazy. So then, of course, Firebird just had ice storms. So, hey. <laughs> rain, I'm, I'm okay with rain. It yeah. can rain all the time. So, okay. Yep. All right. Yep. So uh, let's kick it in. Go let's. So Rhiannon, can you, um, with your new book Reflected, the next uh, book in the Silver series here, can you give us uh, kind of a primer about what to expect here in, in Reflected? Sure. Um, so my two main characters from the previous books, uh, Silver and then Andrew Dare, um, are now alphas of the Roanoke Pack, which basically spans uh, North America. Um, but Andrew gets called away, so Silver has to deal with Pack herself, um, and she has... Uh, brain damage from being injected with silver. Um, so she sees the world a little bit differently, which can make people uh, underestimate her. So as far as being you know, a really strong leader, that's something to work against. Um, and then the other thing is, is that uh, uh, Andrew's daughter um, from his previous marriage um, is around and causing trouble because she's 18 and she doesn't know what she wants to do with her life and she's got this almost stepmother which is just a recipe for um, all kinds of problems. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so uh, uh, how, how did you decide then to uh, cause brain damage, and wh- what sort of uh, new conflicts and new um, complications is this going to bring about? Um, so it's actually been far enough back that it's hard for me to remember anymore, because when I uh, conceived the character of Silver, um, I knew that... I wanted her to uh, have that brain damage um, in a way to sort of explore um, the werewolf religion in many ways because how she conceives of it is that she is uh, closer to their goddess and she's seeing sort of the religious realm rather than the real world. Um, and of course her mate thinks that she's just hallucinating. Uh, so right there, sort of exposes one of the sort of uh, central conflicts of their world, which is uh, how they relate to their religion and things like that. So I knew that I wanted her to have that different perspective on their religion, different perspective on the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a second part of that question that I've now forgotten. But 
Well, are there there going to be some new complications uh, that are going to be arising? Yes. Um, So the first couple books was sort of uh, Silver and Andrew coming to terms with the fact that, um, yes, she's a little crazy, but that doesn't make her um, not an intelligent adult in many other ways. Um, And so then this book in Reflected, it's a lot about um, convincing other people that, yes, she can be an effective leader. Because, of course... um, when she can talk to people in person, that's one thing. You can uh, get by on um, a comparative lesser amount of charisma if you're just sitting there talking to somebody in person. But if you're trying to do it over the phone or you know, through a phone tree and emails across an entire continent, then you have to have a lot more charisma and go a lot farther with it. Um, and that's what she's up against is that um, – Somebody who, because they're based out of Seattle, somebody who lives in, you know, Philadelphia, um, maybe hasn't met her for a couple years in person, and it's really easy then to give more credence to the whole, like, oh, she's so crazy, rumors. And so then when Silver calls them up and says, look, I need you to do this for me, then it's a lot harder to convince them to actually do it. Mm-hmm. So then, I mean, how, how does uh, how does the uh, silver then overcome some of these challenges, and uh, and um, and does does her influence stretch beyond the the North Americas? Um, that that's if if I get to continue the series because the publisher hasn't decided yet. Um, ah. We step outside of North America a little bit in uh, book four. Okay. Um, but in in the uh, book three in Reflected. Um, a lot of what she discovers is um, sort of delegating and using her human, well, not human, <laughs> werewolf resources effectively. Um, so convincing one person um, who's there with her and then getting them to convince other people um, and using other people's sort of ability to make a good speech or something like that mm-hmm. to her benefit. Um, and the other thing she does is that... Um, she steps away from how Andrew as her mate would do it because Andrew is a, an atheist. Mm-hmm. So any arguments he would make to the wear in general, he would frame in other terms. And in the book, Silver sort of realizes that she can use religious terms and Andrew can't, and that's actually um, a benefit that she has because a lot more of the wear in North America, they're not super observant, but many, many more of them are believers than are atheists. Okay. And so... Um, couching things in terms of this is the way to best honor our goddess or this is the best way to, you know, whatever, um, turns actually to turns out actually to work really well for her. And she, um, sort of having worked with Andrew and seeing how he couches his arguments, didn't necessarily think of that right off the bat. Hmm. Okay, so then... Um... As far as um, I guess new uh, these these new challenges, then I mean, how how does she then manage all of these resources? Because I imagine that I mean that that's a lot of people over a great distance, and um, I mean she's got to be like on top of the game, and she's probably I would imagine she's got like a support staff of some kind. More or less, yeah. Um, I think in the books I explicitly have the characters say that um, they have a quote unquote home pack which is mm-hmm. sort of a group of about, say, 20 people that live in the same house as them, the Alphas, in Seattle. And it's sort of that home pack becomes a lot like their kind of White House staff um, in that uh, not only do they sort of keep the, um, 
food cooked and whatever for the alphas to eat while they're busy dealing with all this. But uh, she does use people from that staff to, you know, sort of answer phones and that sort of thing. Um, so when she's wrangling people uh, at one point in the book, what she does is she has um, one of the low-ranked where uh, answer the phones and then give her what she sees as one of the keystone troublemakers mm -hmm. to talk to herself so she can focus her attention on him and then everybody else can sort of, you know, uh, talk to the, the guy answering the phones and talk amongst themselves and figure out their own stuff. Okay. So the little logistics, logistics can, are, are handled and we don't have to necessarily worry about that. Yeah, exactly. Okay, cause that's a little because I always find that to be a little baffling when someone's thrust into a, le a position of leadership. Is that can be incredibly overwhelming if someone yeah. doesn't have the tools, like the mental tools, to uh, to manage all of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Now, y your books are defined as urban fantasy as opposed to kind of like a paranormal romance because there's there's some strong romance elements going on in the books. Mm -hmm. And uh, can you kind of Tell our listeners what's the difference between the two subcategories, you know, that are manifesting in the books. Sure. Um, so the the truism is that in paranormal romance, the external plot supports the romance, mm -hmm. and then in uh, urban fantasy, uh, the romance is sort of a sidelight to the external plot which is the important part, or the other sort of emotional climax that the characters have. Um, so it's a matter of sort of uh, where your attention is, and then also uh, what supports what. You know, um, if you had to make a decision where either the characters have a romantic scene or they have some sort of plot-focused fighty scene, and you can't have both... Um, which one are you going to have because it sort of supports the through line of the book. Um, and definitely I would say that it's correct that mine are urban fantasy rather than paranormal romance because um, there is the romance that is going on, but it's happening while the characters, their sort of emotional climax and the climax of the book is all this other stuff that's going on with pack politics and um, fighting bad guys and all that kind of stuff. So, mm -hmm. um, and then the other thing is, is that, uh, for instance, in book two, um, it's not even um, the, all the POV, it's not even two POV characters that are having the romance. You know, it's another character. She has a POV, but um, she's falling back in love with her husband that she already has, um, which, you know, paranormal romance, you see all sort of different uh, types of romances, but you do tend to see more of a, it's, the POV character, if there's only one, they're in the romance. Or if there are two, they are both in the romance. And so it keeps all the sort of uh, focus of the book just on those characters as opposed to um, where I'm doing it, where the POV characters, there's some of them that already have romances and it's not important and we're not focusing on that. And they're, they're doing completely only the plot <laughs> and their, their own emotional things that aren't romantic. And then there's just that sort of subplot about the romance that's going on. Yeah, because that, I mean, that is a, a, a fact of life, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I guess even in, uh, even in werewolf or were communities, um, you know, there is, you know, attraction and like loss of attraction and marriage and all that stuff. Yeah. So exactly. how do you keep, um, how do you keep uh, reflected in the silver trilogies? Um, 
how do you get these books to sort of uh, keep away from being typecast in that in that uh, in that mold? Um, well, the short answer is that I'm not always successful. <laughs> um, I think as I go later into the series, it's getting a little bit better because I think with any series, uh, readers sort of uh, through word of mouth and whatever figure out kind of what it's about, mm-hmm. and then people who want that come to it, and people who don't leave. Um, but there were some sort of initial reviews with the first book where people don't quite know what this is, so they try it. Maybe it's not what they want. Um, where people were like, oh, there's no sex in this. I'm like, there is, but it's off screen. <laughs> because that wasn't the point. Um, and that, I think, was a sort of failure of communication that, yes, it's urban fantasy. No, it's not paranormal romance. No, there are not pages-long sex scenes in it. Sorry. Um, you know. And uh, But... What I've tried to do to sort of continue to make sure people know that's what's going on is um, making sure I have the focus of the book on a lot of different types of relationships. There's not just romantic relationship in the book, but, you know, father-daughter and friendships. There's never, ever enough friendships in urban fantasy, is my view. So I try to put in as many friendships as possible. And um, a relationship with a mentor or a relationship with um, your parents' friend that you haven't seen for years, but, you know, he was there when you were growing up, and just this sort of complexity, and then using those complex relationships to um, drive some of the the character actions. So it's not just, okay, um, I'm a leader now, I need some people to help me, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get this person that I want to bone, and they're going to help me. (laughs) But... um, sort of looking at, okay, well, this person knew my parents, and so maybe I can get them to sort of help, but I have to flatter them a little, and it's a um, very complex, different type of relationship, and that's what the plot is um, based on, not just, you know, the romantic attraction type of relationships between people. And again, I guess a stronger focus on, on, I guess, the realities of relationships, even in fantasy settings. Yes. I was just going to say the sort of realism of it. Um, Mm -hmm. I played with uh, a lot, especially in Reflected, because um, I'd noticed with younger characters, because Reflected isn't YA. It's still adult. It's just one of the characters, one of the two point of view characters is younger. Mm -hmm. Um, I had noticed in a lot, not all, but a lot of YA um, the sex that teens have is either um, birds and bees sex, which is the sort of when two people really love each other, um, or it's uh, a, a bad decision with bad consequences. Those are the two types of sex that are often there. And so I was like, well, what about if you don't love them, but it's also an okay decision? What about you know the things that adults have, like pure intimacy, friends with benefits, you know, things like that. So um, the sex that uh, Felicia, who's the 18-year-old character, has in Reflected was specifically made to be not love sex or bad decision, bad consequences sex. It was just for pure intimacy. Um, And because teens, they want to have a lot of sex, and when you're a werewolf, you don't have to worry about diseases, and pregnancy is comparatively rare, so... Why not? You know, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I wanted to get that sort of different perspective 
that yeah. yes, you can have sex and it doesn't have to be about love and then it also doesn't have to be life destroying. Or very, very whiny and mopey for three <laughs> long, long books. Oh. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah. so, so avoiding the, the tropes of, I guess, the lovey-dovey, um, you know, all is, all is love and grand and like almost um, Jane Austen, mm-hmm. I guess, side. And then you got the other side where it's like an after-school special and there, there's like this whole world of, I guess, uh, of intimacy and relationships and, and, and all that, mm-hmm. uh, that, that it needs to be explored. That I don't think, I don't see get explored very much in, in fiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So then, uh, I, I, how, how does then, um, I, I guess beyond looking even beyond reflected then, uh, through the rest of this, uh, universe that you've created then, uh, how does the, um, the intimacy and, and and the sex and the romance and stuff. How does that affect like the rest of the world? Because I mean, they're, if, if the wearer are everywhere here, they're across the nation and across the world. How how does their relationships affect the larger goings on? Um, well, I don't know if I've made it particularly explicit on page. This is one of the things I've thought about as an author, so it can be an underpinning. Mm-hmm. But um, the the wear actually aren't all that uh, numerous. You know, mm-hmm. the, the population, say, in North America would be, you know, 500 or something like that, which mm-hmm. uh, don't quote me <laughs> if I say otherwise in a, a book down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it does definitely affect their sort of uh, social structure in a huge way um, because it actually is a plot point in Reflected that uh, Felicia is offered the chance to go roaming, which is where the teens pick up. Uh, a backpack full of their stuff and sort of go around and visit different packs um, around the nation, which you sort of need to avoid inbreeding. Um, so you don't just want to be settling down with people in your home pack. You want to go find different packs, um, try out different places, different relationships, whatever, and then finally settle somewhere. Um, but I, I've thought about it, and uh, the werewolves have a very different um, sort of uh, social structure as far as when it comes to sex because um, – they're not, they're, they're fertile over a longer lifetime. They live to be about 200 years old. So the space in between children is a lot larger and it's harder for them to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's harder for women to keep pregnancies um, because if you shift with the pregnancy, then you lose it when you do it too late in the pregnancy. So um, women can lose them early without knowing um, that they even were pregnant or they can sort of lose control by mistake late and lose it. Yeah. Um, so that's um, one problem, you know, that today's teens face down for werewolves, because even if they do get pregnant, um, the pack structure is very easy for um, sort of adopting the child in, and then the teen can go about their way, and then, you know, an adult couple or pack would be um, raising it. So that's one problem down. Uh, no disease, really. Uh, so that's another problem down. Um, so then they're just left with the sort of, you do have to be emotionally careful that you know, not getting your heart broken, et cetera, um, that any teen would have to deal with. But it sort of, it leads to more um, sexual openness and more um, sort of willingness to get out and sort of try things out when you're a teen. Um, Another thing is is that uh, they don't um, conceive gender in quite the same way. Mm -hmm. Um, Most werewolves would be, by sort of our Western terms, considered bisexual. Um, 
And so, you know, something they do is teens is they go out and also have sort of same-sex encounters and it's not seen as anything, oh, you know, uh, about them. It's just, yeah, they're having some sex with lots of people and some of those people are the same gender and some of those aren't. Um, And so I think that it can make for more stable sort of families and pair bonds later on in life because Mm -hmm. they've had this... um, period where they can just go out and find themselves a little bit better and there's less societal pressure pushing them into, say, an early marriage or something. Um, But then uh, I can't let werewolves off too easily. It's not like they're perfect. With them living longer, of course, Mm -hmm. there's a higher chance that um, they're going to change over time. And so you get into a relationship early in life and then a couple decades later you've changed so much that you end up needing to break it off. so it's not like they make perfect pair bonds for life um, mm-hmm. forever and ever, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. So. Pitfalls of, I guess, a long life. Yep. Okay. Um, so we need to uh, break for just a few moments so we can pay the bills. Uh, you're listening to author Rhiannon Held uh, on Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Uh, if you want to ask her any questions about uh, sex, violence, or werewolves, well, you can call us at 626-226-1475, or you can always reach us at email, uh, our email at info at dungeoncrawlersradio.com. All right. Yeah. And then uh, this, uh, this, uh, this half of the show is brought to you by Amazon? Sure. Okay. Go for it. So uh, right after the show, if you want to uh, pick up any books, uh, any of the books, audiobooks, or uh, any paraphernalia related to the authors that we have on our show, just click on the sidebar on DungeonCrawlersRadio.com that says Amazon. Just clear out your cookies and shop as normal. It's not like it costs you anything extra. You know, you just buy whatever it is you're going to buy. So if you wanted to buy, I don't know. A- Reflected. Yeah, if you want to buy a copy of Reflected or, and like some camping supplies, do it all at once right off of DungeonCrawlersRadio.com when you're done. So, uh, and then when you shop, that kicks a little bit of money back to us. So you're helping us, too. We get something out of this. You know, it's yes. not, yeah. There yeah. it is. It, it, it's not a one-sided thing. No, no. it's, it's uh, totally us. Nice. So, uh, yeah, that's Amazon.com. Cool. Uh, so let's, let's jump back to the interview. Mm-hmm. I have a question for you. So there are a lot of books about werewolves out there. <laughs> yeah. So what is so special or different about the werewolves in your book compared to those other ones that would make a reader want to pick up your book? So I'm an archaeologist in my yes. day job, um, and which I talk about a lot, but that's what makes it different, is that um, I sort of put anthropology mm-hmm. into my werewolves, um, which is something that I hadn't really sort of seen before I started writing it. In terms of thinking, okay, they're a small packed structure that makes them sort of like tribal society. Um, they have no written language of their own. They just adopted writing from, you know, the people they live with. Um, and so what's their oral tradition? What are their myths? What are their religion? How do they, um, you know, celebrate their religion? Um, what are their sort of, all the stuff I was talking about, sort of the social constructions and how they think of gender, um, that's all stuff that varies from culture to culture that non-anthropologists don't necessarily think about every day because you sort of, you belong to your own culture and that's how things are. And, you know, um, in our multicultural world, it's sort of opening people up a little bit, but you don't necessarily think about like all the things that are different because of your culture and of your language. Language changes how you conceive things. Um, 
And so when I set out to create my werewolves, I was like, okay, what's, what's their culture? How does that make them work? Um, and to do that, I sort of had to make them sort of more scientific in other ways because if you have like a curse or a magic spell or something like that that turns you into a werewolf when once you were human, you were born into a human culture. Yeah. And there's something about the culture you were born into that stays with you. So um, you've been sort of, say, okay, inducted into werewolfhood, and now it's like the Freemasons or something where, you know, you belong to this club and it has all these rituals, but you still have what you were born into under it all. Um, whereas if the werewolves, as mine are, are a species, then you are born a werewolf, two werewolf parents, into a werewolf culture. Um, and being a species leads to all kinds of cool stuff that I sit here and sort of, you know, tent my fingers and be like, <laughs> um, in terms of uh, evolutionary pressures, you know, my werewolves can choose not to shift on the full moon if they really, really try. And that's because if you have two werewolves and the mob with the pitchforks and torches are coming, and one of them is like, crap, I have to shift, and they shift and they turn into wolves and they get pitchforked to death. And they are not having any kids. Whereas the other werewolf that was like, oh, I can make it, I can make it. They're the one who are going to have the kids. And their kids are going to be able to not shift during the full moon if they have to. Mm -hmm. um, so you get sort of evolutionary pressures to sort of, um, that's why they're not immortal. Because um, most sort of biological species don't really work that way. Yeah. Um, and... You know, various things like that. Oh, the gender ratios. That's the other thing is that um, in other urban fantasy, I often see where for some reason the magic doesn't work as well on women as it does on men. So you get a lot of male werewolves, but very few female werewolves, um, which makes the protagonist woman very special or whatever. But I'm like, well, that's no way to have a breeding population. Um, so mine are, they have a, you know, fairly standard uh male female sex birth rate so that you know they can continue to make little baby werewolves um and not die out <laughs> yeah <laughs> i like the fact that you have them as kind of a a, a race there mm -hmm. and because most often it's it's a curse you're yes. a werewolf yes. because you've been cursed and um you know and you just you know the only way they populate is by cursing others and, and so forth. So I like the fact that it's not really a curse. You're born that way, and you have to deal with those those inner struggles of growing up as a little werewolf kid. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. How I would mean, that deal be? Deal with the bully werewolf kids. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously, what what would life be like as a little werewolf kid? And then you have to deal with the bullies, and it, it's not like, oh, yeah, he's going to punch you. This guy can turn into a gigantic wolf, well, for a little kid, a wolf creature, and bite your head off. It might be a hunter that's bullying you, too. So that's true. They could be killing you yeah. as well. <laughs> wow. So then, I mean, so how, how does that... Uh, Reminds me of my childhood. <laughs> you were a werewolf growing up? No. 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 Oh, okay. So how do... I mean, how how are, like, the uh, the childhood... Um, that brings up an interesting point. How does, how does the childhood... Um, the, the standard human childhood compared to the werewolf childhood? And are there certain aspects of, of that that are, like, amplified or, um, or reduced or, or, or enlarged? Sure. Um, 
Well, the first thing is, is that uh, my werewolves don't turn into wolves um, until they are uh, hit puberty. Okay. Um, so if you happen to have a werewolf that was conceived while in wolf form and born as a wolf pup, they sort of get this double duty thing where wolves um, reach sexual maturity at about two years old. And so what you'd get then is you'd get the werewolf kid who was born as a wolf turns into a little, like, burbling, like, two-year-old. Mm-hmm. And then they stay human again until they reach, you know, what, 14, 15 or whatever. Uh, which I want to bring into the series at some point where we meet what's called a wolfborn, um, because they're the people that uh, werewolves look down on mm-hmm. among themselves because uh, they have they're, they're, um, the same level of intelligence as anybody else, but they have de- delayed language development. But you think about it, you know, you've missed the first two years as far as learning to talk. Yeah. Um, so it can make them um, seem slower when, in fact, they're not. They just can't talk as well. Um, but so as far as the um, general childhood, I think it would be a bit different from a human childhood because of the sort of uh, in a Western culture, I will say, because the thing about a werewolf childhood is that uh, they tend to be raised much more communally because you have uh, child care for a pack somebody's job in the pack would be to be the full-time sort of child care person. So mm-hmm. most of the adult werewolves go off to work, um, and then you have the whoever it is, maybe it's a, a teen or somebody whose job is that, who um, has all the kids at home. So you have a group of, say, you know, half a dozen or more kids of varying ages from varying families. You know, they're not all related, yeah. um, who get told, okay, now you're home from school. Okay, all six of you at the dinner table doing your homework right now. Um, so there's sort of more of a uh, feeling of discipline, I think, mm-hmm. but also um, the lots of playmates and things like that, like you'd get in a really large family, you know, which mm-hmm. this sort of Western model of 2.5 kids um, who do go to school and maybe a little bit of daycare, but then are, you know, at home just with mom and dad, that's sort of a bit different than the werewolves would be doing it. Yeah. So then are there actual, like, are there real um, real cultures, either alive or dead, that followed a similar model that, uh, that you drew on for inspiration? Um, there's not one in particular. As I said, I did pull sort of more from uh, tribal societies, mm-hmm. um, which... Uh, do um, split work sometimes along gender lines. but So you think of the hunter-gatherer society where the men are the hunters, and they sort of tend to range out from camp, and so they're gone for a day or a couple days out tracking larger prey and then bringing it back in. And then you have the women who do more of the gathering, and so they'll go out to the patch of you know whatever tubers that they're getting that day. But there's more of a sort of community women together, they have the, the you know, younger children on their backs and the older children are sort of coming along, playing with each other. Um, and then the different thing that people often don't think about in Western society with a sort of more um, hunter-gatherer societies is, is the um, elders are sort of um, not sort of squirreled away at home or put into an old folks home or something like that, but they're there sort of in the center of the camp, um, hanging out, teaching the um, adults and children the skills that they know, but they're also sort of um, hanging out there together where where the women can um, help them out or watch them or whatever, 
sort of during the day. Mm-hmm. So it is more of a communal, social type of experience yeah. within the camp. Yeah, a lot more active among all the age lines. Yeah, so everyone's exactly. Everyone's taking a more active role. Yeah. Okay. So I guess before I, st- I start rolling into my last few questions here, um, you've just been barreling along. Yeah, I kind of have. This has been awesome. <laughs> I'm in good form. You know, I mean, I've been throwing a few a few questions in, but it's just it's just such a great interview, and you're just like. Throwing out each like intellectual question oh, after another. Intellectual. That's the first time anyone's ever said that. Oh no, it's not. But it, maybe with werewolves. Yes, maybe with werewolves. So, um, so are there any any plans currently to um, take the silver uh, book series? Uh, you because you were talking about moving into fourth book, uh, a fourth book possibly from your publisher. Are there any options for television or film? Not not right now. Uh, I'm not. <laughs> I'm honestly not surprised because, um, you know, however saturated the book market is with werewolves, mm-hmm. um, the TV and movie market, I think, is uh, very much also saturated. Um, and I think as far as people um, looking for new shows or whatever, um, I think it might be harder to sort of see the nuances Mm-hmm. Between werewolves, they're just like, well, we had a werewolf show, and it's like, well, but these werewolves are different. But well, we had a werewolf show, you know. Yeah. I sort of, I get that sense that, and even maybe like the television viewing uh, public, I don't know if, you know, there was some silver TV series or something, if they'd be like, oh, but there's already bitten. Why do we need another one? You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, because what bitten or out there, teen wolf, almost human. All, yeah. 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 All. Yeah. All you're like, oh, it's all the same. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's just that genre is really popular. And yeah, exactly. It's still you... not as saturated as zombies, though. No, so. <laughs> zombies and vampires still kind of went out the day right now. So be yeah. glad you're not in that saturation pool. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice. So uh, when, once you're finished with, uh, or I guess you know, once you find out if you're going to be moving on to a fourth book, uh, what's going to be next after after Reflected is all accounted for and you get your money for it and you get more money for it and hopefully your hopefully <laughs> your movie wish. deal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I have plotted books four, five, six. So those the um, sort of outline of those is with my publisher. Oh, okay. And they're waiting um, for sales on three to see if they want those. Um, and then I do also have a book seven in mind, but it would um, change viewpoint characters, mm-hmm. um, which if, you know, um, readers fall in love with particular characters, I know that's a bit of a change for them. But the main characters would still be around. It would just, I would split off a little bit to follow a different character's story more closely. Um, and that's as far as I've planned, because it's no point planning to book 20 if they decide to stop after three. <laughs> Um, and then the other thing is, is that I have a couple um, spin-offs that, uh, if they ever do come out, would probably be a decade from now or something like that. But I love them too much <laughs> to not do them. Um, and one is a past spin-off, which mm-hmm. is taking my werewolves and setting them in a Puget Sound uh, mill town in the 1870s. Um, and I enjoy playing with that because it really sets off the different uh, gender stuff and different sort of social constructions that the werewolves have because um, it's a sort of more constrained time period as far as gender roles and class and um, 
you know, racism and all those sort of things. Um, so that's fun. And then the other one I want to do is in uh, the near future, where I want to uh, leapfrog over the point where werewolves are outed and then set um, a book with the children of some of my current characters um, dealing with the fact that the world now knows they're there um, and is not treating them very well at all. <laughs> nice. It's very uh, that's very comic bookish. Yes. Yeah. Well, I've noticed that um, in urban fantasy series, when they do the outing of the supernatural characters of whatever flavor um, in real time, and the characters in the book are dealing with it, they often go the more sort of civil rights struggle. Um, type of road with, you know, laws and maybe hate attacks, but lobbying and, um, you know, various things like that. Um, mm-hmm. And I decided that I'd have it off screen, but I wanted to go much more, okay, they are classed as subhuman, now they're be- being treated in the same way that, say, we treat chimpanzees, yeah. you know, caged and trying to use them for entertainment and or use them for testing or, you know, various things like that, um, which is a very different type of struggle to be like, no, 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 don't do that to chimpanzees either. <laughs> but, you know, we're, we're, we may not be human, but we should be treated in the same way that you conceive of, you know, peopleness, even if you don't uh, call sentient it sentient beings. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a question. Um, since you were touching on a lot of the cultural dichotomies here, um, what about uh, the uh, cultural clashes between tribes? Because, you know, every family is its own culture in and of itself. So with a tribe, you have your own family there, and it's got its own culture. So when another tribe runs into another tribe, how do you treat that? Do you have them kind of clash, or do you have them kind of like just get along because they've got a common interest? I'm just wondering how you handle that. Sure. Well, that's the big um, thing that uh, Silver actually has to deal with a little bit in Reflected um, is European packs because how the Europeans um, do it and then how the North Americans do it is very different. The North Americans, um, werewolves aren't native to North America. Um, mm-hmm. Just like so us. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So there was more of a um, when... Uh, werewolves arrived from the old world um, originally they sort of um, settled in a, as well as the you know human Europeans who were arriving um, and so as they sort of expanded through the continent it was a little bit easier to get along because um, they were expanding into new areas mm-hmm. um, whereas in uh, Europe the werewolf packs are much much more ossified about their territory and much more defensive of their territory um, and so they're fighting all the time. And the European packs often sort of want to show up in North America and sort of ma- maybe make a land grab. And so the North Americans are very aggressive towards European packs because they don't want their territory taken. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> to the degree that um, I actually had to think about it, I'm like, okay, so I have these, you know, small packs across Europe and they're so ossified and they're fighting with each other all the time. How are they not getting crazily inbred? Because um, the North Americans, you know, they allow kids to move between packs, even if they don't always mm-hmm. get along. Yeah. Um, but uh, how I figured out is that the Europeans, um, they throw big parties for uh, the first shift of their kids. And everybody who is within traveling distance, no matter the pack, is uh, invited and they all have to be polite. 
So that means that even people who are enemies are still at the same party. Um, and so then the kids can fall into bed and yeah. accidentally get pregnant and get shuffled off to one pack or the other. So you do get mixing of blood across the um, sort of pack boundaries. So you but didn't want the European uh, royalty problems, exactly. <laughs> basically. Yep, yep. Because that would just be weird. <laughs> <laughs> that really worked out for Europe. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Did you have... No, that was my main question I oh. had so far. So oh, okay. I do hey. have more. I'm just, I just, just letting you go. Oh, I only, I, I had just one more question before we start wrapping up. So uh, no, no, go that, for it. Uh, okay. Well, mine's kind of was off the subject of what you're talking about. So. No, that's fine. Um, so as far as um, uh, oh, confound it. Now I completely lost my train of thought. I, I had it locked and loaded, and now I lost it. Okay. It, was, it was really profound, I could it tell, was. just by looking at him. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was entirely <laughs> profound. Okay, I suck. I'm terrible. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, so I, well, I wanted to ask something about you, Rhiannon, is when, now that, um, you know, w- w- when, the, when the writing day is done, you, you've finished off, you finished off your day job. You finished off writing for the night. I, what what do you what sort of things do you do to take your mind off of that? What do you do to relax? Uh, jigsaw puzzles, actually. Oh yeah. Um, I I will often turn on the TV and put it on something um, brainless. I'm a fan of the uh, <laughs> Food Network mm-hmm. for my sins. Um, I understand that one. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, Chopped is going on in the background, mm-hmm. um, and then I'll do thousand piece jigsaw puzzles of various kinds because um, it's moving into a completely different sphere um, because after I've done writing, I don't really want to read fiction because it's sort of, it's not producing words, but it's still taking them and it's still the same brain area. Mm -hmm. Um, And if I'm especially brainless, maybe I'll be watching TV or whatever, but that's still um, a narrative. And I enjoy jigsaw puzzles because it's completely visual and sort of kinesthetic um, fitting things together using hands, and that's like completely way off different brain thing going on. Um, (laughs) And it's also, it's a nice way to have the sort of um, fallow thinking period because I do my best planning and daydreaming, that sort of stuff, when I'm doing active physical things um, like walking, or driving or something like that where there's a a little bit of physical input but um, my brain is free to free wheel and um, so the sort of jigsaw puzzles and also I do a little bit of um, cross stitch occasionally um, using the visual kinesthetic type of properties is then also sort of leaving my brain um, room to to start spinning up a little bit right after I'm writing it's usually sort of I got nothing left you know I've, I've written it all out and mm-hmm. so it needs to sort of work its way back up to sort of being like, well, what, what if, what if? And then <laughs> I can sort of start to get ready for, you know, the next day's writing, you mm-hmm. know, draw it all down again. Okay, well, so since, uh, you know, you're, you're uh, uh, well-studied well into the uh, anthropology world, when you read fantasies, do you ever go, wow, they actually took some uh, good little views on, an, you know, of culture and things like that into their story. They probably didn't even realize they did that. Do you ever do stuff like that? 
when you're reading like other people's books? Um, I'm continually impressed, actually, by um, the historical fiction that I read. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's some shoddy stuff out there, but there's definitely some impeccably researched um, stuff out there. And um, sometimes people don't always realize um, I don't actually know all that much historical stuff because my day job, my sort of focus is sort of um, recent Seattle, Western Washington history, um, and then Native American history I know much more about in the Pacific Northwest. Um, so I don't know anything about ancient Greece or, you know, ancient Rome or, you know, the kingdoms of Africa or, or things like that. Um, and so um, I'm quite impressed by the, the tiny little details that I see that I can tell are probably correct. I don't know for sure, but are probably correct because um, they're consistent mm-hmm. and they sort mm-hmm. of work within the whole um, culture. You know, they're the... Uh, one of my favorite authors for ancient Rome is Lindsay Davis. And she has little details about sort of what the characters are eating or uh, walking up the stairs to their sort of apartment or, or things like that that aren't great monuments, but they really fit with, okay, you know, they had apartments that were this tall and this is kind of food we found remains of. And so, mm-hmm. oh, and that means, okay, probably he got a lot of gas because that kind of food gives you a lot of gas. <laughs> and then when you're living on the fourth floor, the privy's kind of far below. And sort of um, it, it rings true because she bothered to think about it mm-hmm. and make it true the, to, the, the, to the characters as opposed to the characters sort of woodenly walking through a diorama that's correct but, you know, flat. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is that... Do you have one more? No, that that was the one I was gonna really I really wanted to know. So that was the big one. That uh, was that, your big that was my big question. one. My, oh, I had a bigger one earlier. Oh, oh, it was already asked. It was already asked. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, that's what you get for walking in late. Hey, I can't help it that I was trying to reenact speed. <laughs> hey, so you had a you were on the bus, huh? Yep. Yep. <laughs> awesome. Did it explode? No. I'm pretty sure we would have been able then to you didn't, it that. Yeah. I said I tried. You tried. <laughs> I didn't say I succeeded. Okay. <laughs> um, so um, so where uh, where can our listeners and your readers find you next? Are you going to be attending any uh, conventions or any uh, symposiums in the near future? I am. <gasps> uh, uh, NorwestCon, which mm-hmm. is in Seattle, uh, mm-hmm. is coming up April 17 to 20, I believe. Easter, anyway. So a couple weeks into April. Um, and I'm involved actually in the writers' workshop there. Okay. And, and then, and I'll be on paneling and that sort of thing. And then um, the next one is uh, Missoula, Montana, uh, Miss Con, little small town con, big big heart, um, and that's Memorial Day weekend. And then um, this year I'm not doing uh, Lund Con, the um, World Con in London, because uh, the plane tickets not quite within. My uh, my what my wallet could stand, but I will be at uh, World Fantasy, which this year is in DC. So nice. that's a little bit easier for you know us here in North America. Yes. Awesome. And even some Canadians. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> can't forget our friends from the north. Nope. We can't forget them. We love them. Also soon to be North Montana, according to Disney. <laughs> <laughs> <What>? <laughs> 
<laughs> Yay for Disney. <laughs> uh, and so, um, let's see here. Are there are there plans to be taking reflected onto uh, into audio audiobook format as well? Um, that's my, under my publisher's control, um, and so not that I've heard about. But um, I don't. I am not wise in the ways of uh, audio when it comes to Tor. Um, because Tor does their own audio, so I gave them the rights oh, okay. when I sold the books. So it's there; it's on their own schedule. They can decide to exercise them or not. So okay. it's it's one of those black box things that's traditionally published. Uh, things go into the black box. Things come mm-hmm. out. You don't quite know why or when or anything. So, <laughs> so I, who I hope so. So at this point, we say, Tor Publishing, please make this into an audiobook over exactly. and over again. <laughs> all three books. Or all, yes. Well, it's going to be five, I believe. Four. Yes. Oh, and allow for book four, five, and six to be published. Oh. Yes, yes there we go. please. So who would you like to read your novels if you could choose your audiobook narrator? Um, well, I have not listened to any of them because I'm still a big print book person personally, but um, I know Mary Ramonette Kowal. Um, <laughs> yeah, she does an amazing job. Yeah. yeah. And having heard her just speak in person, I can imagine that her audiobook skills would be pretty good. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think she would be my choice because I, I um, listened to audiobooks as a kid, but there were a lot of uh, British mysteries, and so they'd have the lovely, mellifluous um, British voice actors. and. Yeah. A British accent really would not fit these books no. with people stomping around in Seattle and whatever. And I was always kind of like, oh, but <laughs> I think Mary would probably do a really great job. So no, I mean, I've I've heard her do a reading um, for a friend of ours, Dan Wells' book, Hollow City. Him and mm-hmm. uh, her and Howard Taylor and Dan read a chapter, and oh my gosh, just the three of them doing it together was amazing. So I can only imagine her doing an entire book. <laughs> She could probably read almost anything, and people will just buy it. Probably. (laughs) And she's a redhead. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we went there. Yeah, we. (laughs) She opens up the dictionary and just starts reading. People are like, "I need to buy that book. I need to buy a dictionary." (laughs) Exactly. Who is this Webster's? I must have it. (laughs) I don't know. It's kind of scary about dictionaries because I pulled one out. For my kids, and they're like, "What is this?" <laughs> I, I'm like, "This is what people did before the internet." <laughs> when you're looking up antonyms and synonyms, yeah. <laughs> just, just look it up on your iPad. No, no. look it up. Yeah, <laughs> and learn how to spell it too. Yeah, I know. Spell check will not save your life. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. But all right, so, anything else? Yeah. So when um. When you're done, listen, when uh, listeners are done listening to the show, how could they uh, reach you and heap on some praise and perhaps even give you more money? I mean, because that'd be great. They just throw it at you and watch. Yeah, I um, want that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, my website is rhiannonheld.com. Very easy to remember. Just look at the spelling of my name on the front of the book um, because sometimes <laughs> that's difficult for people to spell. Um, and that's where I sort of update about my appearances and, you know, inf- good info like that. And then if you want to know, um, I don't have cats, but things about my parents' cats and uh, thoughts that happen to drift through my mind and links and all that good stuff, I am on Twitter, uh, at Rian and Held, um, also not a difficult one. Um, so those are the, the two big places. 
to find me. So. Okay. So you hear that, Internet? Look Go her up. There. <laughs> Not stalker-like, though. We don't want that. No, no, no. Yeah. That, yeah. that side's bad. <laughs> well, no. There's a version of stalking that's okay. Okay, when you say there's stalking that's okay, I question you. <laughs> no. Because if you're, if you're stalking a, an author as in, ooh, I want to see what they're talking about next. or that, That's following, what, but what not book? stalking. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> potatoes, potatoes. Yes. And gravy cakes. Go Let ahead. me see which one she's writing on her computer right now. No, no. See, that, that's stalking. See, you, yeah. just, you just went to creepy. Yeah, that was weird. That went to weird and creepy. Right. Wow. So then, uh, I need to move. One last thing before we have to let you go, Rhiannon. Um, is there any last parting words of advice you would give to writers who are looking to follow in your footsteps? Oh, man. Um, practice. And don't just practice uh, the easy stuff. Practice the hard stuff. Take the stuff where you're like, oh, I could never write this, or I, I'm terrible at that, and that's what you write. Um, because you get better not only by practicing a lot, but practicing the hard things to get better at them, as opposed to just writing and writing and writing the same stuff that you already knew that you were good at. So, keep going. <laughs> okay. Alrighty. Awesome. Well, thank you for being on with us, Rhiannon. It was, it was a pleasure hearing from you again tonight. And thank you. you know, and let us know if there's anything else coming up. And yeah. we'll be more than happy to bring you back on. Definitely. Thank you. All right. Yep. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you very much. Have a good night. Have a good yep. night. Too. Bye. Yep. Bye bye. Alrighty. And there we uh, go. Got to push the button. And there it goes. There it goes. So, ladies and gentlemen, once again. Yep. Archaeologist, puzzler, author, Rhiannon Held, everyone. Applause. You know, you know, her advice makes me go, I never want to say I'm not very, I could never write a college text because I would have to do that. Because <laughs> who would really want to do that? <laughs> oh, talk about a boring job. That's got to be worse than the phone book. At least the phone book, you get to look at ads. Yeah, you also, you know, get a gorilla in there sometimes, too. Yeah. Huh, but... A gorilla. Who knew? But yeah, college <laughs> textbooks. Oh, it's got to be something. But you can worse. charge people seven hundred dollars for picking up a book that's useless. Yes, that's right. They'll only have. It's to... not useless. It's a paperweight. <laughs> seven hundred dollar paperweight. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So... Ooh, 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 and a TV stand. Ooh. An extra. Oh, oh, uh, you can put it stabilizer. Under... Stabilizer. There you go. That's right. Um, it's also can be bullet door jam shoot, uh, proofing in your uh, car. Yeah, door jam. And also, while you're in your car, if you're really short, you can also use it to prop yourself up. A See, lift. Yeah. See, you, $700 you're, of multi-use. Your, you're getting your $700 <laughs> out of that. Maybe One when day, the, it will be a bulletproof vest for you. Okay, that may be the only time it's actually <laughs> worth $700. Like, woo, I'm glad I stuffed that in my shirt. <laughs> can you imagine walking to this? Uh, sir, we need you to remove your shirt. Why? There's some sort of foreign object. No, what? There's nothing under my shirt. Nothing. Nothing at all. It's. Stop looking at me. Yeah. Why does it say chemistry 101? You need to remove <laughs> your shirt. Why do you have a book there? It's my book professor. I paid all seven hundred dollars for this. I'm getting the use out of it. Check my ass. Okay. All right. So before we uh, see, before we move on to the next, uh, what do we got coming up? 
<laughs> what have we got coming up next? Yes. Ooh, what's next? What's next on Digital College Radio? Yeah. You asked that question. I did. We must answer. First, well, yeah. after we have a word about Audible. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do a cliffhanger there. Yes. <laughs> oh. Ooh, yes. So, Audible. Do you like your books? Of, it kind of dropped right there. I'm sorry. Dude, I'm I don't care. <laughs> your mic is off. Okay. <laughs> if, you, if you like free uh, stuff... Like Check out our website. Go to DungeonCrawlersRadio.com. Click on the right-hand side. There is a button there that says sign up for yep. free 30-day trial. Get a free audiobook. That's right. Audible.com has thousands upon thousands to, to choose from. I'm looking I just, at it right now. I just picked up A Wave Kings, Fragments, and Words of Radiance. Oh, yes, I'm listening to lots of audiobooks. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you get to pick oh. that up free. No, you know, you can cancel at any time. You still get to keep that book. But if you decide to continue on, there's several different packages you can get, and then you get a, a new book every day. I mean, seriously, Words of Radiance was sixty-two dollars if I was to buy it normally. Yeah, I got it for fourteen ninety-five. Woo! I mean, that's how much it, it's costing each month. Is that not a huge saving? That's yes. huge saving. So that's a lot of wood. That is. Uh, <laughs> so it's a great thing if you sign up. You know, just even just for the trial, they send a little bit back to us, help support the show, and. Everyone's happy. Yeah, you you get stuff for free. You get a we, free get book. The, yeah, you yeah. Get, dude, who loves who doesn't love getting free stuff? Um, apparently that little girl on the commercials. Yes. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it's mostly free money though. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so with that said, we'll jump back. So the rest of the things we're going to be doing for the show, we have geek news still coming up. Yes. We have five gamer four Gmails. Woo! Which we got to get those. Oh, and the epic showdown. Okay. So. We we may have a good fight tonight because we have Been working out. Indiana Jones <laughs> versus James Bond, the Sean Connery James Bond. This could be an interesting fight. I'm not sure that they equal the same class. Oh, yes, they do. It's like putting people in different weights. So? Yeah. It doesn't matter. You, okay. Nah. It's all about... We'll see what we can do two, with it. Yeah, two geek icons in the, in the, in the brawl. I'm sure we could have come Who up with win? better ones. Then you start doing it. I will. Okay. And you got to be the here on time. The challenge is made. You have to be on time. Hey, I could not help it if they did not want to cooperate with me and actually reenact speed. That's not my fault. <laughs> there, I just hear excuses. <laughs> All right, we'll play. Uh, we'll play a couple songs. We'll Maybe be right back. I should actually bring a bomb. Yeah. Yeah, because that'll fly on the bus. <laughs> yeah, that's going to fly. <laughs> wow. Uh, We're back. Uh, before we yeah. come back, just reminding you, Internet, that <laughs> we ain't a player. We just crush a lot. And we also don't actually support bombs on buses. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Gentlemen, behold, Dungeon Crawler Radio. <laughs> Down at the mall is the one who's got it all. The answer to my prayers, just two doors down from Sears. I was surprised, cause they mostly hire guys. She's the girl, she's the girl at the video game. Thumbs are lightning fast At Tekken she'll beat your ass 
membership card. It's only $15, and it comes with a free magazine subscription. I totally want that. She was nice to me. She's my final fantasy. She's the girl. She's the girl at the video game. Raining tacos. I wish it was actually. <laughs> yeah, sounds actually pretty good. All right, welcome back to Dungeon Colors Radio. That was author Rhiannon Hill. Or even better, yes. burritos. Burritos? Chimichangas? We could do that. I actually have an idea for the next burrito a double cheeseburger burrito. See, you need to uh, invent uh, the satellite like uh, that one character did from. Uh, oh, you want me to make Clatter- a little Mendifler? Yeah. Okay. Like. Glad there's a chance of meatballs, and just we have tacos just rained down and we eat. Sounds like a good idea. I know. As long as it doesn't go crazy. I can be spasmatic like him, too. Okay. That works. I just need a monkey named Steve. Mm, I know a guy named Steve that could act like a monkey. I mean, that would work. It's not the same. What if we dressed him up as a monkey? Would he wear the headband? Yes. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> I like the hesitation on that one. You're like, hmm. All right. Okay. <laughs> we'll jump into some geek news. We'll do yep. the Epic Showdown. We'll do the Gamer Forge because there's not a lot of, not much to talk about on geek news. Some big things. A couple yeah. of big things. All right. 
I'll, I'll start Earth straight off. So, uh, beginning this month, Pokemon is coming to Netflix. That's right. You can watch Pokemon on Netflix. Yeah, it's already mm-hmm. on there. I know. Yeah. I saw it. Weird. So, uh, I never gonna, watched that You're going to have some from Pokemon Indigo League, uh, Pokemon Black and White, and then Pokemon the movie. There's going to be several of those movies. So they, they are all available on Netflix. Didn't they already have the movies on there? Because I remember seeing some of them on there. They had the movies, but the seasons are, are what's popping up now. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, they're, they, Netflix has decided that it's increasingly important for kids to be able to uh, have some good shows. And not just have B-movies. Yeah. Weird. Yeah, yep. stupid asylum pictures. Yep. All right, what do you got? There's only so much Sharknado I can handle. Sharknado 2. Well, that's why they have the it's two-headed coming. shark. It's coming. And the crocagator, I think, is on there as well. Yeah. And all the other ones. I don't know. Yeah, metal there, was that really, there was that really cool uh, news article that's been going around that a lady took a picture of a giant water python that had strangled, killed a crocodile, and then swallowed it. Yeah. It was oh awesome looking. Oh, gosh. Yeah. That was a fight. Yes. Um, I remember when I did that. <laughs> I know, right? That was Monday. Yeah. <laughs> Good time. <laughs> Good time. <laughs> Good time. Um, so it was announced, uh, I believe it was yesterday, uh, um, Getty Images has made all of its photos for use for public use for free. Every last one of them. Who? Getty Images. Hmm. One of the largest I have collections. I've never of, uh, heard of them. Yeah, Getty uh, most uh, most pictures you'll see in like newspapers or internet articles are pulled directly from Getty Images. Most of the hmm. time you have to pay for them. No longer the case. They have 35 million images that are now available for How do you spell that? Getty Images, G E T T Y. That so. Yeah, you'll see you'll see them credited in just about every internet news article, blog post, uh, hmm. news, newspapers. I now have an, a great place to go for stock photos for my yep. day job. Was it? Yay! Yeah, in no, an effort they to, don't count as stock at that point. But anyway, yeah, but in an effort to combat piracy, they've just flat out said, "They're all go free. ahead, go ahead, use it as long as you're not. Uh, I mean, as long as you're not using them specifically to make money, go ahead, use them. It's all free." So they have images of uh, famous people, random. Uh, just random stock photos of like cars, crazy people on buses trying to reenact speed. Yes, probably actually. <laughs> That's so weird. I know. <laughs> How did they get that? Um, I but, only did that today. Now they get the photos now. <laughs> <laughs> they move quickly. They uh, do. I just needed somebody that looked like Dennis Hopper. That's all I uh, needed. That yeah, was I'm gonna have to find a lookalike now since you can't actually get Dennis Hopper <laughs> anymore. <laughs> so that that's actually kind of a big thing because. Uh, that makes life a lot easier for uh, well for newspapers and bloggers alike. Yeah. Nice. Okay. All right. So, who remembers the good old days when you used to open up your cereal box and find a really cool prize? Me? You mean yeah. the 70s? So, uh, General Mills has decided that they're going to be working with DC Comics, and they've just announced that, uh, you know, Cheerios, Lucky Charms, uh, Tricks, you know, their, their mainstay of, of boxes, will have Justice League comic books inside specially marked boxes coming this April. Wow, so real soon. Yeah. Huh. 
You know, I remember when uh, the Ninja Turtles cereal came out with a Ninja Turtles bowl attached to the box. Now, oh. I begged my parents for days. <laughs> Gotta days. have that. They never gave it. I don't know. I almost I. I was in a store today and almost it was a pla- they had some plastic tumbler cups and of course I picked one up for me. It has Optimus Prime on there, but I almost picked one up for Joe. Mm-hmm. That Jake the Snake and Rowdy Roddy Piper and a couple <laughs> other oh! a couple other wrestlers. Yes! So, oh, I'd die for a Jake the Snake cup. Yeah, I'm, all, I, I'm almost tempted to run back just to go get it. <laughs> because it, I, I picked that up, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is Joe. This is oh. Joe. This is Joe's official drinking cup now. Oh, I would never use that for anything. <laughs> I, I, would, I would use it for everything. That's yeah. what I'm trying to say. Yes. I'd just be if like... If you had found an Ninja Turtles oh, excuse one, me. you know who that L- Let through. me <laughs> step back on this. They are now available now through April. Oh, okay. So you can go now and pick up your Cheerios, and get a Justice League comic book. As long as your grocery store is up to date. Yes. yes. Oh, and on specially marked boxes, by the way. Yeah, so not just any box. You can't get the old boxes and <laughs> expect to have something. Hey, so those boxes would be Cinnamon Toast Crunch, Lucky Charms, Honey Nut Cheerios, Tricks, Cookie Crisp, and Reese Puffs. There you go. So all the, all the pretty much the kids' standbys. Yeah. Cool. When are they going to put the action figures back in? So sad. I, know, I hope soon. If we're getting comic books, we're getting something soon. I know. Decoder rings. Yep. I hope so. Decoder rings. And Be- because the... even the McDonald's toys are getting cheap. <laughs> That's saying something. And they were bad as it was. I know. Uh, but at least my Transformers, my old Transformer McDonald's toys transformed. Even if it was kind of crappy. Yeah. Yeah. The new ones, they just stand there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's really what a Transformer is all about. Everybody knows that. Yep. Doing Looks it good. So, uh, does uh, everyone? Did you guys? Do you guys remember the story of little Miles Scott, the Bat Kid, yep. from last year? So he was supposed to be making an appearance uh, at the Academy Awards with Andrew Garfield, uh, who will be playing in the upcoming Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, be Spider-Man, yeah. Yep, he was supposed to be on stage and doing a full segment honoring nice. him, and you know, because he, he beat his leukemia. That's that's, that's awesome. That's, yeah, that's amazing. no small thing. Yeah. He so, okay. So he officially is Bat Kid because. Even leukemia, yeah. he beat up. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> right. Forget the Joker, forget Two-Face, he beat up leukemia and won. Yep. Awesome. <laughs> so, he was supposed to, uh, yeah, they were supposed to be making an appearance on stage together at the Academy Awards. Well, unfortunately, that did not happen. Uh, the, uh, the night before, pretty much the night before the, before the show went on air, they decided to pull it because they, uh, the directors of the show felt it didn't keep in tone with the rest of the show. Okay. And apparently there's been some backlash, so Andrew Garfield finally uh, finally came out uh, to started hitting the blog waves and hitting, I think he hit Twitter, saying how sorry he was because they had rehearsed this. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was go up until that very last moment. So, um, unfortunately, so, but he, 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 hit the, he hit the Twitter and apologized profusely. For that, because I mean, that was, it was out of his control. Yeah, I mean, he didn't get to decide it. It's but the people it's, that make the money. So yeah, I mean, it, it was, and it was not to, like to direct any kind of vitriol towards him or anything like that. But they just made a last-second decision, saying it was not keeping in tone with what what else was going on with the rest of the show. So it's unfortunate that uh, a story um, as inspirational as that didn't get to get its just due. Well, and and it's not Andrew Garfield's fault. No. Yeah. He's there 
getting paid to do a specific job, mm-hmm. and he's got bosses, and they have bosses, and he's got to do what he's told. Yeah. I mean, it does kind of stink that that didn't get in there, but I say this to, to everyone out there that's complaining. Make a Bat Kid commercial where right. he beats up leukemia, and then he says, I'm coming for you, Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was, wasn't it? The Oscars? Or? Yeah, Academy Awards. Oh, Academy Awards, yeah. Academy Awards. Close enough. It's yep. close, yeah. <laughs> you know. And end it. Yep. Right there. Right there. I'm sorry. That would be awesome. Giving him that angry look, and he points yeah. at him. Yeah. And kind of in his gruff kid voice, I'm coming for you, Oscars. <laughs> yeah. And then cut to black, fade to black, bad kid. Yep. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that would be awesome. And then that's kind of sticking it to him, too. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, this wouldn't be the first time, though, the Academy no. Awards sort of... Uh, Done something stupid? Yeah. Yeah, snubbed things. Um, um, Rise of the Planet of the Apes comes to mind. No. Well. That was... That one, I'm, uh, that one has kind of bittered me up a little bit, because I'm just like, dude, really? You're going to deny... Andy Circus an Oscar because of technicalities of technicalities. Yeah, I know. Ugh, the man deserved his award. And well, they snubbed not. a lot of people for a lot of awards Ooh, because they yeah. were like, "We're too good for you." So there you go. I just don't watch that because it's just like, honestly, there are a lot of great movies out there that don't even get nominated. Like, yeah, seriously. And even some of the ones that actually win awards, it's like, seriously, this won an award for what? Yeah. I know. And like, oh, I I can name a few of best picture. Like, <laughs> seriously, best picture? Oh, yeah. I can name independent films that are far superior. Yeah. Uh, they okay. don't even get looked at because you guys are snobs. But that's me getting on my soapbox, and I'll get off now. That's okay. All right. We're ready to... Uh, I got one more. One and more. Then we'll, we'll jump. So okay. uh, D&D next. Everyone's been kind of talking about it. Everyone's been waiting for it. Oh, well, no. Barnes and Somebody Noble is. majorly screwed up. So, uh, in, in, te- in anticipation for the hot, uh, basically what happened is Barnes and Noble accidentally leaked the release dates. Um, so for the first two releases, so the Dungeons and Dragons starter set will be released on July fifteenth at an MSRP of of nineteen ninety nine. Not too bad, really. Yeah. The hardcover Dungeons & Dragons player handbook will be released August 19th, right after Gen Con. So, as we knew... Kind of figured as much. Gen Con... It, it's That's probably, when it drops. Yeah, it's going to mm-hmm. drop at Gen Con. And it's for an MSRP of forty nine ninety five. So, they're okay. going to... They're, they're bringing the starter set down at a low price, which TSR used to do. Yeah. The starter set used to be 20 bucks, And then they're going to gouge you on the books. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. <laughs> That's the Wizards I know. And then uh, Wizards of the Coast has announced a summer release. Uh, they're also going to be releasing their first set of D&D miniatures this summer as well. But yeah, way to go, Barnes & Noble. Way you, to go. You uh, spoiled. You spoiled it. Should we have started that with a spoiler alert? No. No. That's not a spoiler. That is. We don't, I don't believe in spoilers. Lagoon and I play a game called Game of Spoilers. We just ruin plot lines of television shows that people are all waiting for. Yeah. Because, you know, hey, why not? Hey, for anyone out there that's watching Smallville, he puts the suit on on the last episode. Yeah, so you can just skip to the end. He becomes Superman. Whoa. What? Yeah. What? what? I know. 
crazy. You mean isn't Clark it? Kent is Superman? I, yeah, I know. I, I ruined it. Sorry. <laughs> oh. Yeah. And here I was, stopped at season one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Would have never guessed. Uh, <laughs> Bruce Wayne's Batman. What? I know. I'm just ruining it left and right. My, my I've just oh, killed no. your childhood, haven't I? My yeah. world is shattered. Yep. Uh, Next you're going to say Hal Jordan is Green Lantern. Yep. So is Kyle Rayner oh. and Guy Gardner and John Stewart and Simon Baz. Guy Gardner never was. You're uh, never going to convince me otherwise. <laughs> All five Earth Green Lanterns. Looks like oh, I lost and, oh, wait, wait, wait. And Kilowog was an Earth Green Lantern for a while, too. Yeah. Uh, well, it looks like, uh, looks like I lost the betting pool on that one, then. Yeah. Crap. I know. Uh, oh, well. Okay, so we're ready to move on to Showdown the Epic. Well, okay, so we have about 30 minutes left. Should we do the Epic Showdown? Or do we just cover Gamer Forge? Because we've got five of them. We do. That's a lot. We do. We have a lot. Right there. I say we just go. Let's go right for the kill. Okay, so we'll go to the Gamer Forge. I thought the showdown was the kill. No. No. Not really. No. We don't kill anything. We don't. Yeah, we don't act. Ooh, just, except for dust bunnies. We kill dust bunnies. We kill them so good. We squish them. <laughs> <laughs> Flat. All right. You don't like them repopulating. No. 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 All right. Okay. Let's jump into these. Okay. Uh, so should we say the Gamer Forge is brought to you by Gamer Forge? Brought to you by Epic Puzzles and Games. Yes. Yes. Because we haven't really mentioned them. Epic yet Puzzles and Games because they're amazing. Yep. Look Why are they amazing? City, because we're just saying that because we're in their store. No. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. I, and, and the owner cannot hear me. That's the best yeah. part. <laughs> I'm saying it very loudly, and he still can't hear me. No. Just kidding. Just no. kidding. No, no, Epic no. Puzzle Game, great they store. Food. They got food. It, it's a huge store. I mean, you've got tons of space. You can be in the back gaming. You can still shop in around. In fact, there's actually a tournament going on behind us. Like right now. Yeah, there is. Uh, th- the best thing is, if they don't have it on the shelf, they will still order it in for you. And they give you a discount for it. You don't pay no it. shipping or anything. Just for your inconvenience, they, they knock a little off, which is not a bad deal, if nope. you ask me. Uh, but they, do have, they have, do have a big selection uh, in-store as well. And it's a great place. Yeah. West so Valley City. Located at uh, 30, about 3,300 3, South, just uh, 3,500 South and 4,000 West. Yep, just uh, west of Bangor Highway. And they have a location in Lehigh as well. That's very true. Yeah. Epic Puzzles and Games. How was your night? Mine? Was epic. That is an awesome tag. Um, by the way, uh, the owners need to. Yeah, we're cashing in on that. Every time someone says that, you pay <laughs> royalties. Us. Yes, royalties. <laughs> At least ten cents. Ten cents a shot. Oh, <laughs> well, we should also state uh, we do have T-shirts. So yeah, we have a booster uh, going on. Basically, Please. it's like Kickstarter, but for clothing. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have. Sh- it's uh, really cool, because yeah, then you get a shirt that says Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Oh, it has our logo on it. It's sweet looking. It's a gray shirt. And you'll be the coolest uh, kid in the world. $15. Uh, or adult. You, you can go yeah. to our Facebook page. You can go to our web page. It, go to it. Just uh, you know, look up Dungeon Crawlers Radio. And, and pick up your shirt. Yeah. $15. It supports the show. All the cool kids are doing you it. You get an awesome Dungeon Crawlers Radio t-shirt. Go pick one up. Pick it up. Now, all right. <laughs> well, well, finish. Well, you can do it while you're listening to the show. It's okay. Well, that's the best part. You can get one while you're listening to the show. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you don't have to stop listening to us just to go get. I the didn't shirt, tell them so. to stop listening. I just said go get one now. 
Yeah. Yeah. Everyone should have a shirt. Exactly. That would be awesome. All the cool kids at the cool and, and kids I'm just table. saying. And then a flash mob with everybody wearing one of the I'm shirts. I'm just saying. Dude, now we, you're talking. Because we have right. a goal. We, we've got a goal of 50. <laughs> if we can get all 50 sold. We got hoodies. We can then get hoodies. I'm just saying. Dundercrawler's hoodies? Yeah. Yeah. Who doesn't want a Dundercrawler's hoodie? And then maybe, maybe we can start getting some really cool artwork. Maybe I can start, like, talk Steve Argyle into maybe... Do you want yeah. a cool design? Yeah. Yeah. Who I might it? actually yeah. try to pull out my art skills again. There you go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's move on. <laughs> to the Gamer Forge. Richard <laughs> Edwards wrote us, Can I choose not to defend against an attack? Playing D&D 4th Edition, I have a situation in mind where a character could reasonably want to get hit with a normally harmful attack. Is there anything in the rules allowing the character to purposefully take the hit, not even a bothering to attempt to do- defend or dodge out of the way of it? For example, a character with the uh, Nusmini Atonement feat makes an uh, attack that inclu- includes an ally. Can the ally choose not to defend against the attack, purpose- purposefully taking the hit knowing that the character making the attack will take the damage in his place? You know, I haven't played as many games as you guys, but I have yet to come across one that actually said you are not allowed to not take a hit. I mean, that's true. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I I don't know any game that doesn't say you can't take the damage. <laughs> but, so if you choose not to defend, yeah, okay, go for it. Yeah, go, I go mean, ahead. I mean, seriously, it's no different than you're rushing into battle with your foam pus five defending long sword in, into the, the LARP forest. A goblin jumps out and you say, dude, just hit me. Just do it. Just do it. It's okay. Yeah, <laughs> I can take it. I can take it. Go for Come it. Come on. I mean, seriously. Anytime now. Uh, honestly, there's, there's, <laughs> there's no rule. Two, there's two ways that we can go about this. One okay. is you can, uh, the, the easy way, which would be to just hand wave it and just say, okay, yeah, you, you take the hit, you take the damage. Aww. Yada, yada, yada. Are we, we're not going to do the hard way? Do the, like I, Back to the Future 2? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, we already covered oh. time travel in a previous game. Before. That is true. So, and we also talked about the shoes from ga- uh, from Back to the Future 2 in a oh, previous one, too. That yeah. is true. I so. still want one of those. I saw them. <laughs> auto laces? I'm getting a pair of auto laces. I don't care how they, much they, those things cost. They come out next year. So you I got some time. Know. I have, yeah, I have time to save up. Exactly. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Anyway. And then the harder way would be to still have uh, have the attacker still roll to hit, but then treat the target as flat-footed. Basically, you're you're almost ensuring it's going to hit anyways. Um, usually that, um, or I guess nullifying all the other bonuses, you treat them as if they have an armor class of 10, like a stationary object. So you pretty much don't have to roll either way. It's just a matter of how many numbers do you want to crunch. All to come down to the same conclusion. You're but getting hit. Yeah, it's uh, if you say I want to take it, unless the DM is just out of his mind saying nope, nope, you have to. There's defend. nothing. Yeah, there's nothing against it. Because if your character is in the mind now, the one thing I would have to say is your character is not going to know. Okay, I'm guessing he's talking about the character that has this atonement feat. Then mm-hmm. okay, so he's playing that character. Never mind. I was gonna say if. Another character was doing something 
like casting a spell, you wouldn't know what it is. So you can't like you know, if someone says, I'm casting a fireball, you can't just say, right, I'm going to suck it up because I have a ring of fire. Well, you don't know he's casting a fireball. Yeah. So I can see where so the unless, GM's going to say, no, you can't do that. Yeah, well, unless you have, like, the Arcana feat, and, or they are, are trained in the Arcana ability, which I think only sorcerers and wizards yeah. gain that anyways. Um, you really, yeah, there's no way that you would really know. Yeah. So, so in that ca- that's the only case I can see where a GM would say, no, you have to do something because your character doesn't know what's coming at him. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I have not played Dungeons & Dragons 4th Edition especially, um, but I know other games have spells or incantations or whatever else you want to label them as, which is pretty much all the same thing, just different names, where if you take damage, it causes damage to somebody else. So, you know, not defending is advantageous to you with those kind of you know enchantments. So I don't see why any game would say, no, you have to defend. Yeah. Especially when there's a lot of games out there that say, hey, look, you get hit, they get hit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Fair yeah, enough. that one's... That one's I think we're done. Of, yeah. All right, Richard, you have your answer. And I beat the dead horse at the end. Stephen <laughs> Harold writes in. Stephen Harold? How to improve physical attractiveness at, of a PC with low charisma. I'm currently playing a female swashbuckler and considering using the new bluff skill uh, to seduce... Uh, yeah. <laughs> bluff skills seduced to learn to learn secret. I I oh man, I wish people would write better. Use that. Uh, hey, hey, don't be making fun of our audience on the air. Sorry, <laughs> or off the air. Or yeah, <laughs> or any any airs. Okay. Wow. The problem is that I currently have a low charisma, a ten, and the feat states that the non-player character must find the swashbuckler physically attractive. I know that physically attractiveness and charisma are not directly linked. There are several questions around uh, on this topic that I've read. Can charisma be considered a physical score? I am not quite on the same line. I don't see why I would have to involve a lot into Im- improving charisma, which serves a lot of the various purposes when I'm looking only for uh, physical attractiveness. On the other hand, I'm pretty sure that if I had a high charisma value, I could easily play as if I had a great seduction power. So here's my question. How can I improve my character's physical attractiveness besides improving charisma? Wow, that was so much just for that one question. <laughs> and most of it didn't make sense. But Steven, the, the, the ultimate question. we appreciate your email, but please reread what you've written before hitting submit. So, Thank okay. you. <laughs> You're welcome to send another one. And please don't reread it so that way uh, <laughs> so Revan can read it again. <laughs> Let's just say if it's longer and more illegible, Chris, the intern, will now read. <laughs> eh, I read worse things every day. So, Well, um, as far as the question goes, there's certainly... Uh, well, I mean, it was, it's good that you pointed out that there's not necessarily a correlation between charisma and attractiveness. There is, however, a correlation between charisma and force of personality. Because it's one thing to be smoking hot, but it's another thing to be smoking hot and not have a personality. It's usually pretty obvious within the first 10 seconds of meeting someone whether or not you want to continue talking to them, regardless of how hot they are. Man or woman, it doesn't really matter. I'm going to say this. Billy May Hayes. Mm-hmm. That guy is probably not... He, he's not attractive, but man, can he talk you into buying anything? 
No, he, he can't. Did. Yeah, not so much. Well, anymore. not now, but he could. <laughs> yeah, the, the conversation yeah. now would be brain. <laughs> yes. But he might no. be able to talk you into giving up your brain. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you know, or just look at car salesmen. You know, not all of them are like, Supermodels. Well, you know, there it's not Fabio out there. <laughs> yeah. on the, on the, yes, they there. are. Otherwise, there'd be a lot more. If you actually yeah. being sold. find one, yeah. <laughs> but they are very charismatic and they're very good with their words. Mm-hmm. That they can talk you yeah. into buying that car that is at a fourteen percent interest rate and is well beyond your means. But you can totally get into that. But you totally are just like mesmerized, and you buy that car, you sign on the dotted line, the keys are handed to you, you drive home, and then two days later you're like, oh my gosh, how am I going to make that pay- car payment? Yeep. You know, He's speaking from recent experience. No, <laughs> I, I have no problem so, with my car payment. So that can but, easily be quantified then by, you know, with that low charisma score, by having like extra training mm-hmm. inside your, those skills. Yes. And so like in the fourth edition, for instance, or even third edition, you take feats like skill focus, which grant additional bonuses on top of just the usual having the high ranks or having training, you know, just regular training in that skill. So, so while you might not have normally a strong force of personality, when you are trying to do things like seduce or bluff, lie, persuade, anything like that, you are strangely good at that, well, you, you, or you have practice in that. You, you, you've overcome your natural lack of charisma. This is one thing I hate about D&D, is charisma is your physical attractiveness. You know, uh, we're playing Hollow Earth in my game right now, my gaming group right now, and charisma is how charismatic you are, you know, like we just said. I could talk someone off the ledge of a roof you know, or convince by, somebody in AI by telling them, them like, that if signal that if they because if they jump off the building, there's an orphan across the street that's going to watch him, and then they're going to be scarred for the rest of their life because they saw you fall off the building, plummet to the ground, and splatter like a you know a a mason jar full of pizza of jam. Yeah, yeah. And then they're like, oh my gosh, I've just you know it, and I like that fact that it's not my ha, my physical appearance. But D&D, that's, that's that focus. A lot of it, yeah. A lot, I mean, they do sort of unintentionally, I think, tie yeah. uh, charisma to... You uh, know, and, and don't get me wrong. They're, it, you know, more attractive people. That does help them. And that kind, it does kind of roll into that charisma. But let's face it. There are some really knockout people... That are horrible have to probably be the worst that, personality in that, the universe. Well, you got to think uh, like a real life correlation. Then would be like the uh, silent film stars of the 1920s and 30s. Uh-huh. A lot of them lost work mm-hmm. right as soon as uh, sound sound yeah. came into play because they oh, you know, they had terrible singing in the voices. Rain. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm a shining star. But a perfect That's example. A yeah. Well, I mean, my, I, you know, it's like. Uh, Look, let's look at Roger Rabbit. There's that one character that looks almost like Jessica Rabbit. Yeah. You know, she's all, you see the leg and everything, and it's like, oh, my gosh. And then she's like, a man. And she's yeah. like, whoa, whoa, what the heck happened here? So, I mean, that that can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I guess it's, I would think of it as a, as a, a spectrum. Yeah, I, I would do it as a spectrum. Even though you have a 10, I really like the fact where you went and kind of said, 
you still have these skills and you can invest in those and improve on those. Yeah. Which shows it, yeah, even though you're not the best looking person. I mean, let's let's face it. You're kind of beating yourself up because a ten is average. Yeah, a ten is a ten is consider- like you're not you're not ugly. I mean, if you're not you had, a one. I mean, yeah. if you had a six, okay, that would be you, you've got some problems. Ogres are looking more attractive than you. <laughs> uh, a ten is average. You're not. You're, yeah, you're not hindered. At you're all. not hindered. You're even, not. Even you're the, not ugly. The, yeah, even yeah. in the statistical department, you're not. No, you're no. You're not taking a, a penalty of any kind. So I would say, even though you have a ten. Don't think you're at a, yeah. a disadvantage. Just optimize the bonuses yeah. you do get. Yeah. Just you think know. of motivational speakers. Yeah. None yeah. of them are yeah. above 10. Yeah. Di- you know, diplomacy, <laughs> Tony Robbins, intimidate, right? bluff. <laughs> uh, what are some other ones? I mean, um, intim- intimidate, bluff. To, um, the, so yeah, I, I usually go by the Star Wars diplomacy. message. It's a little more, uh, diplomacy, what is it? The, um, well, and just and, and intimidating, crap. you can still, doesn't mean that you're, you know, like, Give it to me now, or I'm going to kill you. I mean, it kind of uses an intimidation a in a good threat. way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you want to, uh, I guess another good example, uh, a, a real life example would be like using um, the character HK47 in Knights of the Old Republic. Mm-hmm. By default, would have to have a 10 charisma score. Yeah. Being a droid. Yeah. However, his dialogue would put his charisma. I would qualify that charisma as well above the 18. Because it's hard to have, you know, to listen to some of that character's dialogue and not do what he says just to see what he says. Hello, meatbag. Yeah. And just start seeing <laughs> just, just how awful you will be because he convinced you to, to do it. I will not talk to you now because I want to splatter your brains across the pavement. <laughs> however, however, <laughs> if you go kidnap this young child, I will be pre- I will be prevented from doing so as you have served in my purpose. I mean seriously, I mean that's almost how diabolical that droid yeah. is. I seriously would, you know, with the new movies coming out, I would love for HK47 to show up. Oh, that'd be almost criminal. He'd be really old. So what? It's a droid. I don't care. If he came out, you know, and you ha- you have old Luke and old Han there and he's like, "I am here to kill you." <laughs> However, meatbag, <laughs> if you do this, I will not kill you. <laughs> Just don't do it like that, because that's almost William Shatner. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but, anyway. but, yeah. All right. Uh, I, th- I think we've got that one. So, I mean, th- there's a lot of ways that... Just play on your skills. Don't worry I about your say, career. Yeah, play on may, your skills. May, I mean, like and you can a 10 is not bad. Yeah, 10 is not a hit at all. You know, more average people are happier than those that are higher than that. Mm-hmm. It's the... Um, see, there's actually a... Um, what is it? There's a logical uh, statement to be made out of that. There's a uh, what is it called? A, I'm going to say the spiral of silence. Spiral of silence, mm-hmm. where physically attractive people tend to shut up more, yeah. whereas people who are ugly tend to let other parts of their uh, personality shine through yeah. to compensate. Nice. I think that's what it's called. I can't remember. Well, and, and 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 here's another point. You're at you're working on those skills. You're becoming pretty decent. Who knows? Maybe down the road you find this ring of charisma plus four. Hey, you are set. Mm-hmm. There you go. All right, let's move on. Uh, Nicholas Steven. Nicholas Stevenson writes in. Stevenson. I'm a novice GM, and this is my first time using Pathfinder. One of my players wants to be a druid, but I don't know how to work him into the campaign. It starts in a typical tavern with the owner spiking their drink making them think they caused a ruckus in the, t- in the tavern the previous night. They repay the owner by clearing out his cellar for him. I don't know 
what the druid would be doing there. Please help. By the way, the other characters are a human sorcerer, a hobgoblin fighter, and a halfling wizard, if that helps. The druid could be doing anything. Well, I'm going to start off by saying, why a tavern? I'm so sick of that. Eh, This adventure starts in a tavern. No, I've decided this. All adventures must start at the local maverick. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Almost the same thing. No, no, no. No, it's much different. (laughs) Oh, oh, oh. Everyone's picking up. They're only allowed to sell alcohol between certain hours instead of 24-7. Yep. And you can pick up your hot dogs, your donuts, and get a... Tank of gas. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I just really, I hate, you hate I just taverns. hate that default of everything starts in a tavern. Yeah. I mean, besides, you always have to ask, are there women there? And well, not, We all is, know where that goes. Yeah. Okay, this guy, this guy really wants to play a druid, and druids are not an easy character, and he's taking an investment to saying, hey, I'd like to play this character. Yeah. So why can't you modify this a little bit so that he can't play that? Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of Get him out of the reason. tavern. Yeah. I mean, that would be one way to go about it. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why uh, why a druid or any character of any class would be going to a tavern. Usually it's a center of information. Yeah. A lot of work can be found there. That's what you'll I find. I mean, I understand like, that. Uh, Maybe he's finding certain, you know, information to find certain things that he needs for Well, you know, maybe, maybe we, okay, well, let's say we keep with your tavern idea. Maybe the druid's not included in there. You're, you know, the other three individuals are they got their drink spiked now they have to do something for the tavern over he sends you to a cave there's something in this cave mm-hmm. that someone stole maybe it's a these hideout along the way they bump into the druid yeah now so he's maybe, part of the story without having to go through that yeah rigmarole that 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 would yeah be the they can get it. out of the tavern and then you still get to keep your tavern yep everyone blast the tavern that's a win that's a win-win that's, situation that's a win. right there so yeah maybe yeah maybe you know, take the um uh, Needless to say, you can tell I don't like the tavern. Really? I, I'm going to GM, and we're totally going to just stay in a tavern the entire, the entire time. time. <laughs> See, now, if you if the whole adventure is staying in a tavern the whole time, that's awesome. That's that's completely different. Your whole goal is to stay in the tavern. It's totally ruined it now. That's just, that's, that's a, see, that's a great, unique idea. You know, it's totally like you know Red Dragon Inn, but now in role-playing format. I'm totally into that. I just hate the 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 whole typical hey, boring. What what do you hate is after the, the tavern? What do you hate after the tavern? I'll do that too. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> we'll do all. Yeah, come on. Keep giving give, keep giving us more of that vitriol, and then we'll start. We'll just base all of our all games right. around that. So I, I think that's pretty much the it, it. I mean, really, unless you have anything else. Um, as far as incorporating a druid, I mean, I think you could, well, get the player things. Get the players' feedback first. See what that see what that druid wants to do. Maybe that druid likes to get drunk. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that maybe that druid's like this total gangsta Mac player and just wants to get paid and laid. I mean, maybe he's a big ball of pimp. Maybe he actually got plastered and he didn't get his drink spiked. I don't know. And he's yeah. still on the floor. Right? I, I think that's I think that's part of his concern is because he's a druid. He may have abilities of not. He may detect this, the whatever they're using to spike the drink. Well, he, he doesn't may be to resistant be to it. Yeah, maybe he just got so plowed by drinking just rot gut ale. Because yeah. I mean, who knows? I mean, because I mean, there's what he a could be in there. Yeah, yeah, so probably could, a challenge. Could, yeah, it could have been a drinking challenge. You don't yeah. have to spike the drinks. You just had to get them. Just yep. keep throwing the drinks at them. All right. You know, going with the whole red dragon in thing. <laughs> okay, there's a couple <laughs> ideas for you there. 
Um, let's see Nicholas. Here. Nicholas. All right, so Michael Morris writes in. If you teleport vertically while while levitating or flying, will you fall? I have a wizard character <laughs> who has the ability, the shift ability, that allows him to, as a swift action, to dimension door five feet per uh, every two wizard levels. If he is under the effect of levitation or fly, one, does, the em- does empty air above him count as nearby space for his shift ability? Or two, will he fall once there? If he can move there, or will the levitate slash fly spell keep him at that level? I think portals has already answered this question for us. And what is that? You know, anything that goes through the portal keeps its inertia. So, okay. So if you keep moving forward, you... So if you're moving forward, you're going to keep moving forward. Okay. Well, so that, yeah, okay. That, that, hmm, that's one way to go about it, sure. Um, well, sorry. It just made me instantly think of portals. I'm like... No, that's yeah. a good example. <laughs> it is. It is a good that's example. A good example of that happening. Um far as um so he, so he wants to be already up in the air flying up in the air so he's either levitating or flying in the air and he opens the dimension door goes Steps through, through and does when he exits say maybe or he puts it further above when he exits does the fly spell continue or the levitate spell continue yeah cuz i mean flight or things like flight and levitate have a time duration mm-hmm. And so there's nothing, unless he's stepping into like something like an anti-magic field or, um, yeah. or a dispel magic, or you know, someone dispels magic as soon as they, which you should totally do because that'd be an awesome little way to go about it. <laughs> the and dimension be like, Surprise! steps into. Oh, sorry, you. Uh... <laughs> <Whoa>! <laughs> so there's at that point, that's actually up to the GM. I would say it's, it's the GM's call, uh, at least me, because one, I see. Yes, the spell does have a duration, and it should continue for yeah, that duration. there's no reason it shouldn't continue. However, Dimension Door, you are crossing dimensions, so there, you know, maybe in that GM's world, you know, when you cross dimensions, magic doesn't cross. work the same. So, um, you know, because my, my twisted DM mind's thinking, okay, well, you opened a Dimension Door, you crossed over X number of dimensions... And each one of those dimensions, magic works differently. You exit out, and oh, wow, your spell doesn't work anymore. Or it could still work. So It just depends on how I want to... Yeah. Because if you're just levitating, I mean, yeah, there's... I mean, the worst of what happened then is that you you fall down good to, what, 10, 20, 30 feet, something like that. Take some fall damage, but yeah. it's nothing life-threatening. If, if you have a crazy GM like uh, Revan, who... You know, comes up with these crazy ideas of different dimensions, mm-hmm. changing your spells. Hopefully, he's established this before you start actually. Oh yeah, yes. I have there not been we a go. jerk. Well, going, not, well, oh, wait sorry, that changed right in the middle. Yeah. Of it. Oh, we're talking. <laughs> okay. That's True. what we need to be addressing. However, if no one has done a magic spell while walking through one, you don't have to explain that. But yes, I mean it does have. You have to have some. Logical Some precedent. President, president. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Don't don't yeah. just don't in there jerk it down. out. Yeah. Just I mean if the if it's yeah. uh, the simple version would be it's just if the book says or, or if the standardized rule says no the flight spell should still go it should still go. Well, There's I no think it's a very loose interpretation and it's done that yeah. way on purpose because it's up to the GM's call. It's it's their game, yeah. mm-hmm. their story. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so there's a good reason to do it. There's also good reasons to not, not do, do it. it. Yeah. Um, so it also depends on which direction you're... Well, you could be really evil with that. Well, you could. I, uh, I totally. I'm just thinking of all the yeah, the nasty things magic I could do. Magic becomes permanently changed every time you go through the door. Yeah. So you have to do spells differently every single time. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Better keep notes be on horrible. that one. Well, I mean, I could just, I could just see several. So really, so I mean, I could see. You know, you have a spell enacted on you. Say, maybe you have like an illusion spell on you to make you look like a certain person. You walk through. Well, you're now stuck looking like that. I mean, there's, I mean, there's to- tons of things I could, you know, do, or maybe you walk through and you're the exact opposite yeah. of what that was. And yeah. I, and I would say that, like, when you do, if you, if and when you do something like that, yeah. I would say have things that are not necessarily um, like reality altering, but like almost, I want to say, inconsequential. You know, like the the illusionary thing that makes sense. Like, I get that, because yeah. it's just, like, it's a little thing that won't actually change, um, like, a, a huge statistical yeah. element, because nothing will piss off a player more than... Oh, you don't want to say, screw with their numbers. Yeah, just, I no. mean, leave no, no, that no. be. If, yeah. Leave it be. If you're going to do the whole change how the spell works thing entirely, you make sure that you establish that with the character that's playing that character beforehand. Yeah. That way they're not be, feeling like you're just being a jerk. It's yeah. something you guys agreed yeah, on. Yeah, because they probably because that player's probably already thought about how they wanted to advance their characters mm-hmm. beyond first, second, oh, yeah. third yeah. level, and, and they're thinking, "Oh man, when I finally gain fireball, and I'm going to be casting you know, throwing forty six worth of damage, open up a dimensional door and cast fireball." Yeah, then why? <laughs> yeah, and then, and then the elite, you have a player that's left with a, "Well, why did I do that then? Why, yeah. why, why did I?" Come well, up yeah, with that and th- that's just it totally one idea, change. one option. How people would play. It would, because, you know, it makes it so people wouldn't be randomly opening doors with magic enabled or things like that. And that's just my yeah. my way of thinking. And with now, seasoned players, you can definitely now, get if, away with that let's, let's look at Forgotten Realms. You know, there are several times you hear about characters in the realms that open a dimension door, throw a fireball through, close it, while the fireball blows up. You know, it works just normally. It we don't We're not saying, you know, the precedent of what, how it is. But me as that, that game master at DM is thinking, oh, wow, I could really have some fun with that. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be your game master's call uh, and what's going to happen. But I would say the consensus would be across most games, people, do, you know, if you're flying or levitating and you go through that, it's still going to continue on as long as that spell is still in effect. Yeah, I'm just... I'm still. I'm kind of curious though, is how. So I mean, they brought up the proposition of dimensionally dimen- using dimension door upwards. Yeah. In conjunction with uh, with levitate or fly. What are you trying to do? Well, I I, I try to do the reverse well, well, of that see achievement this. that you get in okay, Portal so when you just drop, drop forever. forever. <laughs> well, here's try doing it backward. <laughs> I'm seeing this in my head. Okay, so th- they're having a fight. You know, you have some people, let's say you have some lifted up in the air. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're, up, you're levitated up, you put a dimension door above you, you levitate, but there's a gorge underneath them, and you put the other dimension door where you're exiting below the lifted, so you're coming up right below them. And then you, you know, do yep. your attack. I can see it, you know, it working for yeah, that. That's, yeah, that's one, one practical use. Um, that's one way you could do it. You know, maybe you go up, and I don't know, it's... 
I don't know why you'd want to fly, open a dimension door. Try to win door. a high jump contest yeah. or something like because that? Dimension, that'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Dimension door doesn't really give you much distance anymore. No, which, I mean, it, it, but that's not really what it's used for. It's yes. not necessarily to go distances. It's a matter of, like, um, strategic. Yeah. Well, no, that flanking. example I just gave would be a great strategic yeah. way of doing it. Yeah. But, um, or, or to just, or to a way to sort of cover distances without having to necessarily go around something. Yeah. It's a way to sort of skip, um, skip doors and skip walls. I don't want to walk around this stupid boulder. Fine, dimension door. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I don't want to walk around this door. We got, we got three minutes left. <laughs> it's just like that's left. not enough. So we are going to wrap this up. Unfortunately, Clay Duffy. We don't get a get. We're not going to be able to. What? Yeah. Oh, Maybe we on, can. Come on. How many? It, we got three it's minutes. It's like almost a page. Oh come on! Is the question a page? Okay, All right, I'm going to go for it. Can we go on after we got the two show? Two minutes. Do we have some? Do we have some time to after the show? We can keep uh, keep. No, unfortunately, afterwards? I don't. No. All right. I'll just give it to Joe, a guy named Joe, and he can write it up. All right. All there we go. All right, All right we got right. two minutes left. So uh, check well, out MB Design Studios. Yes. That's really cool of you. I hope I get to... Hopefully I do it some justice. Check out NB Design Studios. They're the ones that made our amazing logo. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back next week when we have Danielle Jensen talking about her... uh, Oh, I forgot the name of it. What is the name of it? Oh, Danielle Jensen. Stolen Songbird. That's what it is. Yep. Talking about her new book, Stolen Songbird. And then the week after that, we have uh, Crafty Games coming in talking about the amazing games that they make. Across the uh, the universe. Across the universe. Oh yeah, they make amazing games. Ah, okay. Yes, I did Mistborn not know that. game, Fantasy oh. Craft, Little Wizards. Yes. They're just right over oh, there. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so I actually, so I know who they are. Yes. I just don't know who they are. Yes. We okay. Ma- we ran into them at Gen Con. They're uh, coming back on. Okay. All right. <laughs> With that said, we'll be back next week. Uh, check out. Yes, I'm sorry, but I didn't put out all the LTUE interviews. They're coming out this next week because, yeah, the game okay. Gaming for a Cause took up way too much of my time. Yeah, that was, that was yeah, a good time. But it was, was hilarious. It was. It was awesome. It was a good time. You should have been there. Yes. If you weren't, I'm so, sorry. Uh, so, uh, I guess remember... I really wish that we could have had the Larry Korea stuff up there because that was a hilarious <laughs> Firefly game. Yeah. So, uh, until next time, good night, Salt Lake. Good night, world. And buy a t-shirt. We love you still. We'll send Flagoon to your house. And he, I don't know what he'll do, but he might burn a symbol on your lawn. Yeah. So, and since he's I'm not here to do anything. I'm a little afraid anyway. Yeah, that's a little mean. <laughs> but uh, since Splugoon's not here to do a closing line, I've got nowhere else to go!